Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I believe we have managed to call Australia. Did you pull this off on your own, Danny G? We we got him. We got him. He's ready for you. We have got uh, Andrew Bogut down in Australia, and I'm always fascinated by this. What time is it? First of all, thanks for joining us. Secondly, what time is it right now in Australia? Uh, it's 9 p.m. at the moment. Not too 9 p.m. So uh, yeah, yeah. you were finishing off the day there. Uh, I think we're actually on in Australia and New Zealand. So this is going to somehow or other. I don't know how that works, but this is going to utterly fascinate some people that uh, that we are now interviewing you in Australia. Um, uh, so as you uh, I think you're a, uh, a pretty big Croatian fan. Am I right about this? Do you root for Croatia? Yeah, when Australia's not playing, so it's my, my, my heritage and my parents and whole family, uh, as far as we know, back are, are from Croatia. So they migrated in the, in the 70s uh, to Australia. So are you watching the World Cup? I try to watch some of the games. Unfortunately, the Croatia games have been at 4 a.m. Um, so yes. I'm training at the moment. So it's been it's been a little a little tricky with the time difference. But, um, yeah, the games are a little bit earlier, a bit easier to watch. But I haven't had a chance to see any of the Croatia games yet. So the big news, obviously, coming out of the NBA, and you played in the NBA for a long time, is that DeMarcus Cousins is joining the Golden State Warriors. That's a team you played with. When you saw that news, what did you think? I was shocked. I mean, he's he's one of the best offensive big men in the league. Um, but I guess, you know, he's trying to trying to get on and, and be part of something special. Um, he is coming off an Achilles injury. A lot of people forget, so I, I guess he's... Mindset is that he won't be ready till January, February anyway. Um, so why not give it a crack to, to get a championship and then sign a big deal after that? But very, very interesting. Um, you are uh, only 33 years old, uh, which for big men, honestly, is still somewhat young. Uh, are you at all interested in coming back to the NBA or do you think your NBA tenure is over? No, nah, I think I'm done. Um, look, I've played 13 years. Uh, I've had you know a lot of injuries and whatnot. Um, I've got a young family now, so 
I ended up signing in the Australian League. I um, always wanted to come back and play in Australia towards the end of my career and, and, and raise a young family. So the NBA has been great, but at the same time, 82 games with all that travel and, and not being home at all um, with a younger family was just a decision that, that, I, that I came to that rather than signing another vet minimum deal for a year and maybe getting bounced around again, um, it was just something I didn't want to do. You played with the Warriors and you played for a very short amount of time with the Cavs, so you saw both sides of that rivalry. I know you had a limited stint with the the, the Cavs because of the injury, but for people out there who didn't ever have the opportunity to be in both those locker rooms, how would you compare those two teams and how would you say they are similar and dissimilar for people out there who have watched that rivalry over the years, which now is over? you got a unique perspective to see both sides. Yeah, it was interesting. Look, I wasn't in Cleveland a whole lot. I was there for literally four days. Um, but it just felt a little bit different in the Cleveland locker room. Obviously, LeBron's a very polarizing figure and one of the best players in the world. But the locker room kind of it looked like it had its fractions from, from, from when I was there. Um, you know, a lot of guys kind of knew what their role was, but that was kind of, this is what I need to do. Um, whereas the Warriors locker room was, was, was kind of, you know, just a different mentality of guys generally seem, seem like they like each other. Um, I'm not saying all the Cavs didn't like each other, but it just it just felt like a different environment, if you know what I mean. You could just feel a little bit of tension in the Cavs locker room. Um, yeah, whereas, you know, within the Warriors, it was every day it was just, you know, we kind of knew who we were in our own skin kind of thing, and, and that was what guys accepted. So it was a little bit different in that sense, but both both equally as successful, one team a little bit little better than the other. What's it like to have been a member of what is now becoming a total dynasty in the Golden State Warriors? You were there for several years. You got traded in. Um, and uh, did you ever foresee the run that you guys would get on as 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 the, the uh, probably impossible to see what would have become? But did you foresee any of this at all from your experience? Oh no, no way! Um, I came from I came from the Milwaukee Bucks, um, 2012. The Warriors, I think, at that point, were had a, were a 20 win team. Were actually, you know, got criticised for possibly tanking for a pick, uh, which ended up being Harrison Barnes. Um, and then we, we kind of built it up. So it was it was kind of cool just being part of a team that was an absolute stinker that actually built up through the draft in the right way. Whereas now it's a little bit different. Obviously, they're they're in a position where they can attract um, premier free agents like KD and Demarcus Cousins and keep you know kind of the, the rich get richer mentality. But it was just nice to be part of a part of a team that was that was built from from absolute crap and then and then rose all the way to the top, um, cream cream the crop. So it was nice. We're talking to Andrew Bogut. He's joining us from Australia. Andrew, you're a guy who is politically, I think somewhat attuned with me like uh, you think a lot of people in the world today have become pussy willows like social media is maybe driving the world insane what was it like in the golden state warriors locker room before trump were these like really politically active guys that you were around what do you think has changed do you think how do you think you would fit in now versus how you fit in back then or was it a locker room that was open enough that everybody just kind of embraces their differences uh you know sort of culturally what was that feel like and do you think it's changed since you left um it's interesting you know i've always been pretty opinionated and i kind of i kind of i don't skew myself into a 
into a political side, um, and that's that's kind of frowned upon these days. That you, you're either left or you're right. Um, yes, that's the way the world's going. I don't like. I like to be honest with you. There's things I like on both sides. There's things I hate. Things I hate on both sides. Um, but I would. I just wouldn't allow myself to be labelled. So, unfortunately, the the business that we're in, um, sports writers and beat writers, they're all they're all generally left. Um, and if you're not towing that line, you're kind of an outcast. Which I, I, I you know. I caught that firsthand with, a, with with some reports coming out about me that I'm a right winger and, and and all that kind of stuff, which is hilarious because I was I was I was in the country on a green card, um, so I probably would have right. been the first one to go if if the far right wing white nationalist got in got in power, I probably would have been the first one out of the country. But that's a story for another day. But yeah, there is there is a little bit of a sense that it's, it's kind of if you're involved in sports, you got to kind of be towards the left um, otherwise you know these beat writers and, and, and especially on social media they're going to they're gonna go after you And but I was comfortable with that I was like if, you, if you're going to label me something that you think I am by all means go for it I know I'm not that I'm not going to defend it I'm just going to get on with my life and, and keep doing what I'm doing yeah, I think that's that's kind of fascinating from an athlete perspective because I talk about this as a member of the sports media I can definitely see that stories are covered in a way where it's evident what the reporter's own politics are. And I think sports has gotten all wrapped up into the incredible politicization in general of America and also the world as a whole. So were you conscious of that when you were in the locker room? Is that something you were aware of that like, I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt from this guy or these guys because they have different politics than I do? Yeah, somewhat. I knew that, but I didn't really care. Like I, like I said, if you if you ask me a question, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of the few guys that that that, that, that is honest with with what I really believe, um, and that gets me in trouble. But I can tell you this: there's there's a lot in that industry that 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 uh, that toe that line publicly because that's that's how they how they cash their check. When behind the scenes, they've they've mentioned you know numerous things to me, quite the contrary that you know whether they agreed with me or whether they think it is kind of crazy um, how they have to kind of have that group thing mentality to be involved. There is a bunch of those guys that are just not going to go on record and say it, which is interesting in itself. If you had been on the Warriors team that is deciding, hey, we don't want to go visit the White House. Now, you're an Australian, so I don't know what kind of impact visiting the White House has on you in general. But would you have been like, hey, I'm fine going? Or would you have just said, hey, if the team doesn't want to go, I'm fine doing whatever the team is doing? Have you thought about how you would have approached that, given how much of a story that would be and was in the wake of the Warriors' most recent title? Yeah, look, it's a really touchy, a touchy area for us, um, especially you know, with pro sports. As I said, it's, it's kind of that grouping mentality. I'm, I'm not huge on, on the White House. Um, I will say I respect the, the United States greatly for providing me, you know, an opportunity to play in the best league in the world for probably too much money that any anybody should get just for playing basketball. So I have nothing but respect for the United States and, and I enjoyed my time there and it provided things for my family that I couldn't do anywhere else. So I'll say that first and foremost. But, you know, in a team environment, if, if, if the captains on the team um, kind of, you know, didn't want to go, you'd, you'd have to support them and, and, and that's what you do. But, um, look, it's a touchy, it's a touchy thing. I visited the White House with, when Obama was there and let's be honest you visit the White House you know you know whoever's president at the time is going to smile at you and give you 
one one line off the cuff that he tells everybody, and you have a laugh for the photo, and that's that's about as much time as you get. So it's it's not really into the world into the world anyway, in my opinion. Uh, we're talking to Andrew Bogut. Um, you are down in Australia right now. I imagine the story. I saw this as soon as we finished the show yesterday. The brawl that broke out between the Australian national team and the Philippines team. Were you watching that game live? What was your reaction? Yeah, I was watching it live. I was. I was amazed. Um, look, there's, there's a lot of a lot coming out on the internet now. There's some there's some fake news being put out from 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 their side. Um, I won't excuse what 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 Daniel Kicker did. Obviously, he retaliated um, a little bit too harshly and, and started the whole thing. But I guess um, what happened after that was 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 not good for anybody. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the Philippines. It's not good for basketball in Australia. And you don't want to see that. Um, a close friend of mine was was the guy Chris Gordon. He was under a pack of about ten or eleven guys that were just stomping on him, um, and that's that's when things get scary. You know, you can obviously knock a guy out. Um, and then there was there was a few chairs that flew around. Um, what else was interesting was that the the coaches and some actual officials with accreditations were, were joining in and throwing some haymakers too. So. FIBA, who's the world governing body of international basketball, is going to come down pretty strongly. But it was, it was, yeah, it, it just wasn't a good, a good night for, for basketball. And you, you know, our, our boys just flew out about four hours ago, got out of the country safely through our, through the help of our embassy there in the Philippines, and they should be back in the country tomorrow safely. So that's that's the most important thing. Nobody got severely injured, and we can move on with it. How much has uh, basketball grown in Australia in the last fifteen to twenty years? I'll probably say the last five years, to be honest. Like we had, we had some success in the '90s. Luke Longley was part of that that three-piece Chicago Bulls team with Michael Jordan. Um, and since since he retired in the late '90s, there wasn't a whole lot. I came in the league in in 2005, and there was there was really no Aussies that were playing any any respectable minutes. Um, and then, kind of 2010, 11, 12, Paddy Mills, Delvadova, a bunch of guys have come in, and, and now we're at the peak where you've got you know Ben Simmons and Aaron Baines and and Dante Exum, Joe Ingles really playing well. So, for a country of 24 million people and to have eight eight NBA players actually playing vital minutes for their teams, it's, it's pretty impressive. And hopefully, we can just keep developing the same way and get better and better. Do you feel like a big part of that? Oh, definitely, definitely. Look. Um, Without Sue Murray and Horn, you know, I came in the league where there was no Australians, and, and that pathway was wasn't established. You know, it was unheard of for for an Australian to be even going top five in the NBA draft. Um, and and that year, I was lucky enough to go number one. So um, it was it was a very special time, and it, it kind of gave kids in Australia a, a first-hand look that hey, it is possible. You can do it through college, you can do it through Europe, you can do it through our local league, and you can get to the NBA. And the more and more kids that we have playing basketball, the better. We have, I think, over a million participants. Uh, a, uh, a week playing here in Australia for a country of 24 million, which is pretty impressive. So, looking forward to how much better we'll get. Obviously, Ben Simmons is our is our MVP right now, and he's got a chance to be a, a very good player. We're talking to uh, Andrew Bogut. He's uh, joining us from Australia. Andrew, we do a section on the show called the Animal Thunderdome. I don't know if you've ever seen me tweet about it or talk about it, but basically the concept is animals going to war with humans. And a lot of these stories come out of Australia where it seems like every deadly snake or animal exists now in Australia. It's like you guys in Africa. Have you ever had a dangerous shark, crocodile, or uh, or reptile in general encounter during your time living in Australia? Um, yeah, I have. Look, it's, it's not as crazy as you think. In the populated cities, Melbourne, Sydney, you're not going to see that stuff. Obviously, if you go up north where it's a bit warmer, kind of like you know the, the Florida version of America, you're going to see all that stuff. But um, 
as a kid, you know, saw a lot of snakes. Uh, my sister went and tried to actually pet a, uh, a tiger snake, a tiger snake um, at one point, which which wasn't the best move. My dad had a fishing rod in his hand and and kind of helped her away from that. Luckily, um, it was asleep. But yeah, there's there is some instances we have some some pretty gnarly spiders around as well. Um, there's a lot of building going on going on where I live, so there's a lot of bugs coming out. And every now and then you get a spider that's the size of your hand. So. Um, usually the wife comes running out, and you got to get something to, to try and kill it and take it outside. But it's uh, it's definitely interesting. You got to be, you know, you know, you have to be street smart. But you also have to be just smart walking around, knowing where things will, will hide and lurk sometimes. What about crocodiles? Because when you when you talk to an American about Australia, the first thing they think of, I guarantee you, on average, is crocodiles. Have you ever had a dangerous encounter or been close to any crocodile? Nah, thankfully not, because I, I live south where it's cold. Um, they're generally up north in Queensland and Cairns and all that. But, um, yeah, you just know it goes to the territory. If you're going to go to the beach up there or you're going to hang around near waterways, um, you, you better be ready to, to zigzag and run as fast as you can because they can't pop out. But I, I haven't had any um, challenges. I've been on a, I've been on a tour to, to look, at, look at crocodiles, and that's about as close and as uh, I want to get to them on a, day, on a daily basis. Uh, I want to. I have not visited Australia and New Zealand. There are probably a lot of people listening to us right now who have thought about making a trip down. If you were telling an American to come, and let's say you were coming in for 10 days, 12 days, I mean, it's obviously a big trip, maybe longer. What would you tell an American they need to see in Australia? Like, what would your destination or itinerary be? Um, it, look, it depends what you like. We have a lot of different cultures. Um, Melbourne is a very multicultural city where I'm from. Um, very big coffee culture. So if you love your coffee, we're, we're kind of coffee snobs here. Um, we have some of the best food in the world. A lot of different, different culturally inspired food. Um, so you can try pretty much food from any country in the world here. Like that's world class. Um, if you go further along to Sydney and, and, and Queensland, the Gold Coast, that's more of a beachy culture warmer weather, good surf beaches if you like surfing. So it all depends. There's something for everybody. Um, I sound like I'm, I'm selling, selling a tourism ad right now. But, um, yeah, look, <laughs> whatever you want to do, there's, there's something you, you can you can find. And then obviously you've got New Zealand, which I, I kind of compare Australia more to a beachy culture and New Zealand more to the, the country cottage skiing type feel. So they're both pretty close to each other and, and you can enjoy the best of both worlds if you come out for about a month. We're talking to Andrew Bogut. Uh, LeBron going to L.A. You played for the Lakers. It's where you finished your career. When you heard LeBron was going to L.A., I want a couple of thoughts here. One, you've been in the league for, like you said, 13 years. LeBron is going to turn 34 this year. You're almost identical ages. When you look at what he is doing in his career, is it underrated, the, the longevity? And do you think that he has a chance, very good at all, to bring a title to the Lakers? Well, yes, first and foremost, what he's done, um, he'll probably go down, I think he will go down as the greatest player to play if he keeps playing this level for another three or four years because it's just phenomenal how well he looked after his body. And, you know, he's a superhuman athlete. Um, he deserves deserves all the praise that he gets. Um, the Lakers, being a part of that franchise for a amount of time, was, was very, very interesting. Um, they were... They were uh, they were building up to, to get him this offseason. I think that deal was done uh, a while ago, to be quite honest, um, just because uh, if you look into clutch sports and who they represent, and, and the Lakers roster last season, you, you'll figure some things out. Um, that's just the business of basketball. Um, but I think they'll be a playoff team. I, I still don't think you know they're getting through Golden State um, or, or Houston, maybe even San Antonio or Utah. I think they're 
they're going to have a bit of growing pains with LeBron, um, and it'll just be interesting to see how that, that all goes, especially with some of the other signings they've made last, the last few days. I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued to watch how that all goes down. Last question for you. You played on a bunch of different teams, Milwaukee, Golden State, Dallas, Cleveland, and the Lakers. We're talking to Andrew Bogut. If you were Adam Silver, you were the commissioner of the league, uh, or Adam Silver came to you and he said, hey, what can we do to make the NBA better? Right now, you've got a couple of really good teams, the way the salary cap is structured. If you were just trying to make the NBA better so that there were more teams every year, one of my big talking points is, you know, in, in, in America, the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NHL, there are a lot of different teams every year that could theoretically win the title. In the NBA, there's two or three. What could be done to make the NBA more competitive across the board? Do you have any ideas? I don't have any ideas specifically. It's a tough question because um, balance obviously is key, but how do, you, how, do you, how do you then engage balance? I mean, if you've got a guy like DeMarcus Cousins that wants to take $5 million when he's worth 20 a year, how do you stop that? You know, that, that's, that's the issue. Um, it's become AAU-like where, where guys are just trying to, trying to join forces and all go on, on, on one team and, and just try to dominate the league. But it's commendable in a way for a guy like Marcus to do it because he's, he's leaving a lot of money on the table. But at the same time, it does hurt, you know, the, the competition in the league because, as you said, two or three teams are competing for a championship. I think it's, it might even be less than that. I think it's one team out west at least and then probably Boston and maybe someone else. Um, out in the east so uh, there's no real answer to it if someone takes less money i mean i don't understand how you stop that adam Adam silver can't really do anything about that um but you know the golden state warriors have figured out a way how to just pull up all these i see i saw you talking about potentially five hall of famers which is you know it's absolutely ridiculous from that sense um but that's something the nba is gonna have to deal with the the five guys you just mentioned that when you look at Draymond Green, I think nobody would argue that Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are going to be Hall of Famers. Um, let me ask you this, actually, because when you played with Steph Curry the first uh, like when you started the time at Golden State, I know you were with him there for several years. Things that you would see him do in practice, I imagine, are also incredible. When did you realize how good Steph Curry could be from a scoring the basketball perspective? And what was it like to watch him? Oh, just watching him, watching him on a on a daily basis with the ball. You knew, you know, that he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. The issue with, with Steph was coming out of college was his his body. You know, he, he got hurt a lot early and was just trying to figure out how to how to train. I guess in the off season he had some he had some ankle issues. And once he corrected that, I mean, he's been a beast ever since. And he's just one of those guys that, I mean, he could pick up a a rock and, and, you know, hit a trash can from, from 100 yards away. He's just one of those guys that's just so naturally gifted, but he does he does work at it as well. So um, I will say this as well. You know, most other teams with a franchise guy, to, to invite another one like Kevin Durant in the locker room would, wouldn't generally go down as well. Steph Curry is one of the rare superstars who's comfortable with who he is, and he's, he, he knows that he'll welcome someone that's just as good as him, if not better, in his locker room. Um, to win a championship, and that 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 should not be taken lightly, and doesn't get enough publicity. Have you ever seen him play beer pong? No, I wouldn't want to, because I'd be I'd be drunk before he even had a drink. 
That is a uh, perfect way to go. I guess the last thing I was going to say about the five Hall of Famers, do you think Draymond Green, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and a Clay Thompson have a chance? Because I think Durant and Curry, everybody would agree, first ballot Hall of Famers. How good are those other three guys in your experience? Are they Hall of Fame caliber? Yeah, I think DeMarcus has a chance just based on numbers. Um, I think the championship thing will, will plague him, um, whether he gets one or not, but he's got a, a really good chance this season. Draymond does so many good things for the team that don't show up on a, on a stat sheet. Um, he's so good defensively for him. He can guard all five positions, so I think he's got a very good chance. And Clay's, you know, the first or, or second best shooter in the league. If you're, if you're arguing between best shooters, it's out of him and Steph. And I think um, Clay could be a 30-point scorer on a, on a team that's about as good as the Golden State Warriors. So, I think your prediction of those four, five guys um, is, is, a, is a pretty pretty good bet. I think it can definitely happen. Outstanding stuff. I appreciate you joining us at night from Australia. We'll get you on again sometime in the future. But Andrew Bogut, live from Australia. Great stuff, my man. I appreciate it. VBAP. Don't forget it. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's Andrew Bogut dropping a DBAP on the way out. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. I'm going to hit you with this off the jump here. A Lake County, Florida teenager was chased up a tree by an aggressive alligator that had to be shot and killed by a deputy. A deputy was called to a home uh, on Friday after the teenager's mother called 911 saying her 15-year-old daughter was trapped in a tree by a large alligator. Uh, The girl's father told the deputy his daughter had been in the tree for 30 minutes and there was a 10 or 11-foot alligator at the base of the tree keeping her from climbing down. The tree overhung a creek in a swimming area near alligator springs not an expert here but not sure that i would want to go swimming in an area called alligator springs says the teen was on a raft when the gator approached her she climbed the tree to try to avoid the alligator the girl was up in the tree screaming as the deputy tried to get a better look he heard a hissing sound saw the alligator in the water at the base of the tree they say that the uh, the uh, the p- other police were still 20 minutes away. The girl couldn't hang on to the tree much longer. Listen to this call from 911. This is the girl's mom calling 911. The kind of sheriff's office, is this an emergency or can you hold? It's an emergency, no. What is the emergency? I'm at Free Creek. My daughter's stuck in a freaking tree. There's gators surrounding her. We can't get her out. So that is the portion of the 911 call that was released. She's 15. Uh, she's 15 years old. Uh, the deputy decided, you know what I got to do? I got to lay waste to this alligator. The deputy Uh-oh. fired one round from a Bushmaster AR-15, Man. killing the alligator, uh, and uh, the girl was able to climb down out of the tree. 
<laughs> Can you imagine being stuck in a tree with an alligator waiting for you beneath the tree? No. And again, what's the name of the uh, the area? Alliga- right <laughs> alligator Springs. I'm not an expert Hello. in swimming, but I think when I hear, yeah. "Hey, you're gonna go down to Alligator, alligator Springs? Springs," I don't think. I don't think that's the place I'm going to go choose to go for a dip. Just which, maybe me. Which is in stay the hell out of the water, Florida. Yeah, I, I am going nowhere near that pond. Hell no. Now, I will tell you this. I'm down in Florida right now, Gator Central. And when we finish the show today, uh, I am instructed to stop and get bait because we are going. Uh, I bought fishing poles, so we're going to take the boys out fishing. And, uh, and so... Um, I will be on these lakes and the springs sometimes are interesting because there's a lot of different springs, natural springs in the state of Florida. Like right where I am, there's an area in the same county called Defuniac Springs, which is like I took my boys there. The water is so clean. You can see. I mean, it, it's like you're swimming in. I, I, I mean, spring. I mean, it, it's crystal clear, right? So you can see all the way to the bottom. It's ice cold. It's really pretty awesome. So maybe Alligator Springs is similar to that in that you can see all the way to the bottom. It's not like it's murky water, but still Alligator Springs would suggest there are lots of alligators there. Yeah, and if that water was crystal clear, what? So you could see the alligator swimming right up to the meat of your leg? Well, you can see them coming. Like you can I'm not kidding. Like you can stand on a boat deck and you can see like hundreds of yards crystal clear water and so i had my kids out there swimming around like i'm not in fear of that at all because the water's so clean whereas there's a zero percent chance if the water weren't crystal clear that i would be in the water at all does that make sense yeah but you you got to be on the lookout the entire time kind of but i mean there's lots of other people in there too and, oh you're good you know, then yeah I make, think make them safe. watch your boys yeah there's no <laughs> doubt everybody will be safe we're joined by Alex Marvez, as we generally are every single Tuesday in hour two. And Alex, I want to start with this. Do you feel like Roger Goodell and the NFL have completely gone into hiding? <laughs> it's amazing, right? And they just hired a new media relations coordinator who was, by the way, the protege of the person who got fired as the NFL's coordinator. Or They agreed to part ways, Joe Lockhart. He moves on to something else, and she now comes in and doesn't really have any experience working as far as NFL media relations. Why does this matter? Well, when you can put a positive spin on something or you can explain something to the public to make, you know, to improve your brand and the way it looks, well, that's a positive. And when it came to the Jameis Winston situation, for example, this was a negative for the NFL. Everyone's still scratching their head. Why three games? Why are you striking a deal with someone who basically has admitted that they acted inappropriately with an Uber driver? No explanation from the league. You sit there, you, you, you shrug your shoulders. How about Laurent Duvernay-Tardif of the Kansas City Chiefs? The guy in the offseason gets a medical degree. Clay, incredible opportunity for the NFL to market all the great things its players are doing off the field. The guy petitions to get MD put on his jersey. They won't let him do it. Any explanation from the league? No. I, I mean, this, this guy, these guys, it just seems like they can't get out of their own way in so many things. And then you put on top of this, you know, how we're not really able to still understand what's going on with this new helmet rule that they're talking about. What is exactly use of the helmet? You know, I mean, we're still trying to figure this one out. And there's got to be a concentrated effort to educate fans, to even educate players. What can and can't I do? Is an offensive lineman shooting off the ball in a three-point stance, making contact with 
a defensive lineman. Is that illegal use of the helmet? Is the defensive line, is that, if it happens with them, is that the same thing? Nobody really knows. The, the NFL right now, I think they're just hoping, let the game speak for themselves. Let's get out of our own way, but they really can't do it. We had a lot of attention, obviously, for the NBA and all of the free agents. Uh, LeBron goes to the Lakers. Uh, we got an interesting hypothetical here for you. The Chargers and the Rams also recently moving to L.A. Who wins a championship first, LeBron or one of the NFL squads? I, you know, with the Warriors, the way that they're loading up, I mean, my goodness, right? It's very hard to go against that team. You never know what can happen, but for at least one more season, I'm not betting against them, but I think the Rams have a very legitimate shot of making a run this year, and so do they. You know, that's why you make the moves to get in a Marcus Peters and an Aqib Tlaib in their secondary. You know, they went to Wade Phillips, and this is some behind the scenes as to what's going on with the Rams. They went to Wade and they said, okay, look, what positions to you are ones that you can replace schematically like what are the ones that just don't matter to you so much as because we have some high-priced guys and if we want to upgrade the secondary the way you want to see it upgraded we've got to make some decisions well you know defensive end robert quinn our outside linebacker in their system he's a defensive end now with the dolphins high-paid guy who just didn't fit in with what wade was trying to run he gets sent to south florida uh, alec ogletree you know good linebacker he's the best one that the giants have had now since you know uh, antonio pierce was in the middle of their defense but again wade phillips thought eh, it's an inside linebacker and my 3-4. It's a superfluous position. We've got younger guys. We'll be fine. Let's move on from Alec Ogletree. When you see a front office working with a coaching staff like that, that's a positive thing. You know, now, of course, they have to be right in their talent assessments and grooming their replacements, things like that. But they were able to still upgrade this defense and in bringing in Donick and Sue as well, you know, without, you know, again, blowing up their entire salary cap. And on offense, we know that they're going to score points. And, and Sean McVay proved that. And what an outstanding job he did developing Jared Goff last year, Todd Gurley at the top of his game. I mean, the offensive line is a little bit thin, but I, I love me some L.A. Rams heading into the season. Uh, you know, the, as for the Chargers, everything looks great on paper, right? I mean, you know, this is a team considered the front runner in the AFC West, but it's more like a show me type thing to me. You know, I grew up a Chargers fan, Clay. Confession for me. I grew up in South Florida watching Dan Fouts and the beard and those blue and yellow uniforms and Air Coriel. And I mean, it just, that's what drew me into truly being an NFL fan. And so I left that fandom behind at the front door in 1995 when I began covering the league. But I can just tell you this I, I know the Chargers, and if you know the Chargers, you know heartbreak, right? You know they're going to find a way to screw something up, no matter how good it was. Go back to that Chargers-Patriots game back about a decade ago where guys in interception decides to return it inexplicably and then ends up fumbling and the Patriots go on to win the game to miss field goals, to special teams mistakes galore, etc. So until the Chargers actually do it, I can't jump on that bandwagon. But man, there's a lot to feel good about with that team. The number one that passing offense in the NFL should be able to survive the loss of Hunter Henry. And defensively, they look like they're just so strong with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And it we got a solid secondary as well. Tell you what, this Chargers team, I mean, again, consider the front runner in the AFC West, but if you're asking me to pick one between one of those two teams closer to a Super Bowl, it is those Rams. The Seahawks. Uh, speaking of the big rival of the Rams in the NFC West, Cam Chancellor basically announces he's going to be forced to retire because of an injury. Yeah. And the Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman gone and, and, and those guys in the secondary. Obviously, Michael Bennett is gone on the defensive line. Where are we on what the future of the Seahawks franchise looks like? And what exactly is going forward the situation like for Pete Carroll as well? Yeah, I mean, how long does Pete want to do this? And does he want to be around by the time this team is ready to truly contend once again? Interesting stat about, about the number of starters left from Super Bowl 48. 
There's only six of them now on this team. We're talking five years removed from winning a Super Bowl. You've had you know that many players you know out of your 22 men starting unit that are now gone. I mean, and, and that's that speaks volumes. And of course, the Seahawks have not hit home runs in every draft. Not every free agent signing has been fortuitous for them. So I mean, we're looking at a team you know because they have Russell Wilson, and I'm I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. I really believe they'll still never get below 500. But are they going to be able to truly make a difference if they make the playoffs? I, you know, one thing to watch: Shaquille Griffin, not Shaquem. You know his brother from Central Florida. You know the, his amazing story. But the, but the more important story for the Seahawks in 2018 is Shaquille Griffin. Can he truly be that number one shutdown corner that they think he can and start a new legion of boom because he's going to be the guy that's replacing Richard Sherman? You also wonder if Brian Schottenheimer, as offensive coordinator, is going to do something with this unit. They were absolutely – they were just – they had nothing under Daryl Babel and, and Tom Cable handling the running game. They were horrendous. They play literally – they had the worst running game in NFL history last year. No no team in league history has ever fielded a running game for an entire season that didn't have a single running back gain more than 300 yards. Think about that. Every running back they had on that roster gained less than 300 yards for the entire season. That's why they draft Rashard Penny in round one. They're going to be putting a lot on his shoulders, but it is a new era now in Seattle for sure. And this will be interesting because Pete Carroll and his rah-rah type of coaching and the the way that he's been able to touch guys before, clearly the the veterans tuned him out toward the end in Seattle, and you notice a lot of those guys are gone. Now you're looking at a new group where a lot of the stuff is new, and Pete's going to have a second chance to get a team back into the Super Bowl. Last question for you, and we're talking to Alex Marvez. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. You can hear him on SiriusXM. Now that the suspension is out there, and you kind of touched on it, the Jameis Winston suspension, you're in Florida. You're pretty plugged in down there. Are you hearing anything out of the Bucks side about what their time frame will be in determining how to play this going forward? Will they go ahead and work under the assumption that they're going to continue with Jameis Winston as their franchise quarterback? Is that up in the air? What's the situation in Tampa Bay? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Clay. I did speak to a source yesterday connected with that organization, and the belief is that it is going to be Jameis Winston for the foreseeable future. Now, after the 2018 season, all bets are off. You know, if you've got a new head coach and they have a different vision at quarterback or Jameis simply doesn't play that well, all of those things, you know, they can cut ties. As long as he's not injured, they can release him at the end of, you know, before the 2019 uh, offseason begins, and you don't have to pay that $20.5 million in base salary on his contract. So that's something to consider for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they indeed wanted to start anew if they're not able to win games this year. But, man, you know, they, they did something this week, Clay, just real quick here. J.R. Sweezy, offensive lineman, was released last Friday. The track record of this team right now in free agency has been absolutely disastrous in terms of the players that they bring in and how they don't get the right yield out of them. That doesn't reflect well upon their general manager, Jason Light, nor, is it, nor does it reflect well upon the coaching staff. So, listen, they just got to weather the storm. If you can get one and two after the first three games and then you get Jameis Winston back, you got a fighting chance. You start 0-3, it's going to be so tough to make the postseason. There's already enough pressure on this coaching staff, this front office to begin with. So, you know, and then it obviously puts even more on Jameis. But this is the year that we find out. Is Jameis Winston truly a franchise quarterback, or is this going to be a guy who teases you along the way and ends up, he'll start somewhere in 2019 in all likelihood, but is he truly going to be that difference maker the Bucks thought when they drafted him number one? We're going to soon find out. Good stuff, as always. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good 4th of July. Woohoo! Thank you, Clay. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.